It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. I would love the opportunity to go on a hike with Swan Sheridan as she could point out such interesting facts about what we would see. She also has interesting quilt patterns that you can find at Swan Amity Studios. On any given day, you can find this quilt artist half buried in fabric, brandishing her needle and thread, and otherwise surrounded by implements of creativity. Welcome, Swan. Glad to have you here. Well, thank you for having me, Paula. It's a pleasure. Let's start at the beginning. Where were you born and raised? So I was born in Bend, Oregon, in central Oregon, in 1977, when it was still just kind of a small little lumber town. And then my mom moved me back to Illinois when I was just a baby. So I was mostly raised in Illinois, in central and southern Illinois. Oh, okay. Not Chicago? No, uh, pretty far from Chicago. We were in Hillsboro, which is the county seat of Montgomery County, in kind of the middle of the state, about uh, an hour south of Springfield, and in Carbondale, which is all the way towards the bottom of the state, almost eight hours from Chicago. Wow. Yeah. Both are beautiful locations. I really enjoyed both Oregon and Illinois. They're big parts of my childhood. Nice. Do you have a special childhood memory? Oh, you know, my mother was always such a great person for taking us outdoors. And given what time of year we're in right now, I am usually thinking about harvesting persimmons somewhere in southern Illinois right now and scoping out all the hickory trees so I know where to go for nuts later. That was always part of what we were doing on the weekends was heading down to Giant City to walk under the big trees and see what was ripe and ready to eat. So we were always big outside forest harvesters, I guess. Oh, cool. I wish I knew the trees better and knew what was what. That was a big part of my life. I could name all the trees that we walked past when I was little. It's still interesting going hiking with me because I'm more interested in naming everything (laughs) than I am on getting a good power hike in. So (laughs) that would be fun. It is. It's a good time. Can you tell me about your employment? Sure. I went to school once upon a time to be a college professor, and I really thought that that would be my whole future. And when I got into quilting, things kind of ended up going another direction. And eventually, I ended up working for a great quilt shop here in Tucson that is now closed, Bella Quilt Works. That was my original fabric job. And that really taught me a lot about what was going on in the industry. And I had a great mentor there that at one point said, well, which we should just start selling your patterns, which I never expected to do because I just made things for my own self. 
I never expected other people would want to make my things. Since then, let's see, that's been seven years ago that we started Swan Amity Studios, and I've been running it ever since. Oh, cool. We'll get into that a little deeper later sure. Later on. Tell me about how you got from Illinois to Tucson. Oh, my goodness. I think from the time that I was in middle school, I already knew that I wasn't going to stay in Illinois. I was drawn to the West. I don't know if that's because I was born there or I just always wanted to get back. But I finished my undergraduate degree. I was recently married to my fabulous high school sweetheart. And we both picked up and moved to Washington State, where he had a new corporate job, and I went to graduate school. When we left there, it was to take a new position in Tijuana for my husband. And when we were in Southern California and Mexico, he was kind of climbing the corporate ladder at the time, and we had our daughter. And shortly thereafter, he had an opportunity to take a job here in Tucson. As a girl who always loved growing up under big trees and living in the woods, I was struck by how different Tucson is when we first moved here. I thought, we won't be here long. It's so, <laughs> it's so different. It's so, everything that's green is prickly. It's not my, it's not my territory. But we had only been here for about six months when I said, you know, we could live here for a while. And that was 14 years ago, and I don't know if we'll ever leave. <laughs> so uh, Tucson by accident, but now with pleasure, we stay here. Oh, neat. The desert can be beautiful. It certainly can be. And I have to say, it's filled with the most fabulous quilting community. One of the great benefits that you get from living in a retirement zone is that people come here with their crafts from all over the country and it infuses the area with such a wide variety of skill sets and interests and design styles that we just have a little bit of everything here in Tucson. Oh, neat. I think so. Yes. It's a real pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> so besides quilting, what other crafts do you do or have you done? You know, when I got started in making things, I was very young. I think I was eight when we were at a medieval fair. And I spent about two hours sitting in front of the drop spindle lady and watching her spin yarn. When I got home, I asked my mother for a spinning wheel because <laughs> I thought that would just be the best thing. And she told me that I could use my allowance money to buy a drop spindle if I wanted to but that I couldn't have a spinning wheel until I could spin enough yarn to go 10 times around the house. <laughs> and I didn't get a spinning wheel until I was, I had made so much yarn with my drop spindle. I even ran out of wool at one point and learned that if you pet the cat, you can actually spin cat fur really well. Wow. <laughs> So I made mittens and hats out of everything that I could get my hands on until my mother bought me a spinning wheel, I think when I was 12. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, she finally gave in. So I spun a lot of yarn. I knitted a lot of yarn. I never could figure out how to crochet 
despite my mother-in-law's best efforts. But I was always a textile person, uh, spinning, knitting, cross-stitch, and some medieval costume design eventually. When my husband and I got into doing medieval combat reenactment, it was easier to make our own clothes and less expensive. Yes. Fun. Yes, very. Any other hobbies? My other hobbies are mostly gardening. I love to be outside. I love to grow things. Hiking is a special joy, especially everywhere that we go. There's always beautiful hiking in the area. And I'm really into whiskey tasting, which I know is just a little, not maybe not the normal quilter thing, um, <laughs> but I'm just fascinated by it. And I think high on my list for when we are no longer trapped by the pandemic is to head off to Kentucky and become a bourbon steward. Huh. <laughs> How neat. Who introduced you to quilting? You know, I accidents in some ways. I had only one quilter in my life prior to learning to quilt myself. It was my husband's favorite second mom. You know how we always have a second mom in our lives somewhere? His second mom, his his best friend's mother, Mm -hmm. and her name is Phyllis Hampton. I adored going over to her house. She was always getting a new sewing machine and making something beautiful. I was always fascinated by what she was doing, but I never thought I would make a quilt until my nephew was born. I was in graduate school and my sister, my all my sisters are younger than me. I have quite a few of them. But this one, I did not expect to end up having a baby when she did. I know she did not either, but that was 18 years ago. When he was born, I thought I should make him a quilt. Isn't that what ants do? My mom had done that when nieces and nephews were born. And I thought, I know how to sew and I should just make him a quilt. But I have to admit, I was naive. I thought quilting in comparison to like costume making and all those things would just be really easy. And the first quilt, of course, taught me that there were a significant number of things I did not know. (laughs) And I was on the phone with Phyllis probably at least every week saying, okay, I'm going to do this now. What else should I know? And she was a treasure. I still love our quilting relationship. Cool. Yeah. Describe your favorite quilt or quilt pattern. Oh, my goodness. My favorite quilt that I have ever made myself is my project Chemical Attractions, for which there really is no pattern. I eventually decided, and my husband luckily gave me permission to never have to make a pattern for it. It was one of those quilts that evolved as I developed it, and I never really thought about making the pattern when I designed it. But it's the free motion work that most people want from it, and I don't work by design in that case. That is all just free motion work, so there's no there's no pattern for it. But that quilt is so much fun because It was accidental and really just creating a quilt that was about chemistry. But when I made the first block of it, I didn't realize I was going to make a chemistry quilt. Yeah. I posted the first block and some friends of mine in the biological sciences said, oh, that's really fantastic. I didn't know you were into orbital molecules. And I said, oh, me neither. What's an (laughs) orbital molecule? (laughs) Uh, not being a chemistry or a math person, 
that was all new for me, but they all started sending me different chemical combinations and different orbital molecules and molecular weight scales. And the next thing I know, I had made a queen size quilt with all of the blocks. It was just so fun to do that when I finished it, my brother, he's a high school math teacher in Portland, Oregon. And he said, you know, I think this would be really fun if you would keep the quilt in the sciences and quilt it all with mathematics. I literally did say to him on the phone, you know, Garrett, that's not beautiful. Like quilting things with equations. I don't understand how that would be attractive. And then he started sending me things like the lute of Pythagoras and Pascal's triangle. It ballooned from there because, of course, visual mathematical proofs are Mm -hmm. gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And I just never thought that I would end up being that person as an English major. You spend as little time in math class as possible. (laughs) I had to really take myself to school in order to produce that quilt. But in the long run, it was so exciting and rewarding. So to date, that's still my favorite quilt, even though it was a few years ago. Yeah. How neat. And besides that, my favorite thing is always what I'm making. If I'm doing it right now, that is the coolest thing that I'm working on. (laughs) That keeps us going, doesn't it? It sure does. Describe your favorite tool. Oh, goodness. I suppose I have two favorite tools. I really love having a trolley needle on hand, also known as the finger stiletto. They're just so easy to utilize for both applique and for doing picky piecing. I don't ever really want to sit down without it handy. Several years ago, I redesigned my free motion quilting gloves and my husband has had them produced for me. So... My favorite tool for free motion is having my own personal Amity gloves, which are just solving all of my problems and making my life easier every day. So both of those things, I think, are are the things that I really prefer to have with me all the time. That's neat. I just was taking a quick look at your videos. It was your gloves that I was looking at. I thought, wow, those are neat gloves. So it's interesting you mentioned them because I was just looking at them. Well, thank you. I had really been displeased, I guess, with a lot of different quilting gloves that are on the market. Maybe disenchanted is a better word. Just not really doing everything I wanted a glove to do. And I really wanted a glove that was going to be wrist supportive while I was working and keep my hands from having to overstretch and stay cool because, you know, I'm in Tucson. I I don't need to be any hotter than I already am. So when I created my gloves, I wanted to take all the plastic content out. I wanted them to have mesh backing so they'd be comfortable and breathable while I'm wearing them. And we added padding to the palm so that when you wear your glove, you don't have to stretch your muscles out in your hand so your connective tissue can relax. The wrist supportive element is really what most people love about them. And then we added touchscreen sensitivity to the fingertips so that you can adjust anything that you want to without having to take your gloves off. Wow. That's so neat. It was was a good design process. And my husband, coming from a manufacturing background, was able to do a lot of the research for making sure that we also found great people to produce our product, which is wonderful. Wow. 
Tell me about your favorite part of the quilting process. Oh my goodness. When you ask me this question, this is like the hardest question to answer. I I enjoy almost all of it equally, but I guess if you nailed me down to my favorite things, it would be applique and free motion. I love everything about the design process, but when I'm sitting down and actually putting the stitches in is just the best time. So applicating on the couch in the evening is just fabulous. It's a wind down at the end of the day. And free motion is probably my absolute favorite thing that I'm doing. So frequently I'm asked, well, who quilts your quilts? And I quilt 95% of my things because I couldn't possibly stay away from that. (laughs) (laughs) So how big is the throat on the machine you use? I don't use a giant machine. So the throat on my machine is really probably nine inches, I think. Maybe a little less than that. Yeah, probably a seven to eight inch throat. Okay. It's not huge. Wow. But you can put a queen size quilt in that. That's amazing. I think I've pushed large quilt through my six inches. <laughs> and I know that was hard. So that's why I had to ask. Sure. I teach free motion for the domestic machine. So I never really switched over to a long arm because that started to make me feel disingenuous that I would walk into a room and tell my students that they can do anything they want to on a small machine and then say, not me. I don't do that, but you can. <laughs> I always felt like it was better for them and more encouraging for my students if everything that I showed up with to talk to them about was done on the domestic machine, just like I am teaching them. Okay. (laughs) Now my fun question. What, Uh What was your worst quilting experience? Oh my goodness. That is a story and a half, and I'll shorten it down to the most important parts. Chemical Attractions had just won a nice prize at the Grand Rapids AQS show for best original design. And I was so excited, but I had also found out that I was lucky enough to get juried into Houston that year, which means you have a quick turnaround of your quilt from the AQS show to the Houston group. And that was the year that Hurricane Harvey hit Houston. Uh oh. I got a call about two days after my birthday that year to let me know that my quilt had never arrived in Houston and I was disqualified. And I said, that's fine. I know they were expecting me to probably be upset, but I was like, the only thing I want to know is where is my quilt? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I said earlier, that's my favorite quilt. And I couldn't imagine having put in as much time and energy into that project. And, And it looks so beautiful. And then to have it be gone, It took me four days to find my quilt. UPS had gotten it all the way to the building. You know how you track your quilts very Mm -hmm. carefully when they're shipping. And I had been tracking chemical attractions until it said that it had been delivered to the building. And I thought, okay, good. Problem solved. Except I stopped looking after that. And apparently you should not stop looking until it says that your quilt has been signed for because nobody was at the Houston offices that day. Harvey had hit, everything was shut down. My quilt got to the building, but then it got turned away at the door. So 
it went to a UPS shipping office where it sat for the week and a half until I found out it was missing. And I have to admit that for those four days hunting down my quilt with UPS, I couldn't really take a deep breath. It was overwhelming and fearful, worrying that I had lost it. And my husband said at the time that I needed to focus on some other work and I got out some other projects and he was right. That was good, except we look back at those timeframes and he says, you know, your free motion quilting on all of those projects just looks like hurricanes. (laughs) (laughs) And he's right. I quilted probably one whirlwind after another until they finally called me back and said they had my quilt and it was safe. Oh, wow. So that was my most nerve wracking upsetting quilting experience. I should say I wasn't really quilting, but it's still probably the thing that's just seared in my mind is like, oh my goodness, we put our things in the mail and we just cross our fingers. Yeah. But, you know, we still have to put things out there. So we're going to keep putting things in the mail. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me why you would make quilts rather than do a different craft. Oh goodness. Quilting for me has become a very special form of artwork. I really felt like I always wanted to be an artist when I was younger. And I also felt like I would never really be able to do the things that I wanted to do because I'm not a great painter and probably would never become one. My drawing skills, although I can do quite a bit with them, are not, you know, perfection. I'm also never going to be a drawing artist per se, but learning to quilt made me recognize that you could make the most beautiful things out of fabric, that there was all the artistic expression that I really desired in fabric and in the beautiful designs that I could do with fabric. And then there was that extra element of adding thread to a piece and quilting it and turning it into something even more interesting or exciting. But nothing really beats taking something that you've made like that and having someone else enjoy it, wrap up in it, take pleasure in it. And that has provided me all of that process with the greatest joy. Mm -hmm. So I feel like nothing else that I ever tried to do in terms of art ever gave me all of those things wrapped up in one concept. But quilting from start to finish is like making joy and then offering that to other people. Yeah. That's my favorite part. Now, who do you make your quilts for? I don't make as many gifted quilts anymore. I used to make quilts as presents for so many people. And now I have had to put Small limits on that, but the people that I still absolutely will never say no to, I have seven sisters and one brother. They all get a quilt when they get married, and I love to give them something that they're going to start their new life together with another person that they get to wrap up in that quilt, and that's a great pleasure for me to give them that. And then they all get a quilt when they have a baby. And I always tell them, this is not yours. It is your baby's quilt. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to them. (laughs) 
And that way I am always giving something to my new little niece or nephew. I'm getting another one in April. So we're already working on the next design. And that's always fun. That's always a great, great pleasure to give them something that I made for them that was intended for them to get to see an expression of love. Yeah. What are you working on right now? Is it the baby quilt? I am kind of working on a baby quilt. We are just starting on Monday of next week, which is the 2nd of November, a new program that is uh, a quilt along that we're doing called Shapeshifter. And I have a wonderful friend that when I first was getting started with my own website, offered me a free hosting space through his group. And he and his wife just had their first baby just a couple weeks ago. And I thought, what better way could I show my appreciation for the things that he and his wife have done for me than to give them a baby quilt for their new baby? And I had no idea when I designed Shapeshifter, it was just for them that so many people would like it. But it's turned into a bigger thing. So I've made one Shapeshifter and now I'm making two more for the quilt along design. So I'm currently wrapped up in making baby quilts. <laughs> <laughs> Just not for the baby in April. That one's going to have to be next. Uh-huh. She's giving me a little time. I have until April. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you're ahead of me. The baby quilts I'm making, the babies are already turning over a year old. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> so my- I do my best to get them out on time, <laughs> although this baby snuck up on me. He was a month early, or I would have had that quilt out in time. That's yeah. not my fault. No. He'll get it before Christmas. I also realize when they are a little older, it was fun to get a picture of the baby sitting on the quilt instead of just laying there. Yes. It's actually kind of fun to see how they grow on their quilts. Uh When I had a friend who had twins several years ago, I made them matching lizard quilts. And she ended up putting them on their quilts as they grew so that she could see how big they were when they were just teeny tiny, you know, less than five pound babies. And then every once in a while, I'm like, could you stick them on their quilts again? She's like, they're eight. They're not really that interested in it anymore. (laughs) But I am still fascinated to see how big they are in comparison to their lizards. Yeah. (laughs) Do you have a tip to share? I love to tell people when I get started with them that there's no need to reinvent the wheel. There's so much out there in terms of quilting knowledge right now that one of the best things new quilters can do or even quilters who are beginning to try something different or learn a new quilting skill is take a good class. Find someone that makes the kinds of things that you want to make and take class from them. That has solved so many things for me over the years. And you always know that you can change something You can alter it. You can try a new way of doing that. But let somebody show you a couple of good ways to do it first. I had a great quilter give that advice to me when I was really getting started with my own design work. And she was absolutely right. 
later on, you're going to refine your own work. You're going to create a style for yourself. But in the beginning, take advantage of the fact that so many great quilters came before you. That's great advice. It certainly made a difference for me. Now I want to talk a little bit about your business. Okay. Swan Amity Studios, correct? Yes, ma'am. My mother likes to say if she got to name me and she got to name the company because we stuck with my name for the company. And she's just delighted by that, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) And I love your logo. Well, thank you. That is actually how I sign my name. And I have my mother to thank for that as well. Back when I was in high school, she said, if you're going to have such a cool name, which, you know, of course, she gave me that name. So, of course, (laughs) she had a hand in that. Uh, She said, you should learn to have a cool signature. And I started doing that in high school. And then as we developed the company, we thought it was fun to just go ahead and use my more artistic signature for everything. And that became our logo. Oh, how cool. Describe how you went from having quilting as a hobby to becoming a business. Wow. It was something I planned for. At one point, I said, you know, I really enjoy designing and I really enjoy designing for others, but I don't know very much about the quilting world as a business world. So I should get a job doing something with quilting. And that's how I ended up working for Bella Quilt Works. And at the same time, my local guild here in Tucson was also very interested in finding a new person to become the vendor chair for our show. And I volunteered for that because that would be a great way to meet other vendors and find out what are the ins and outs? What do you need to know to be successful? That really allowed me to meet some of the people that eventually were very encouraging about what I wanted to do next. Then it kind of happened unexpectedly that I came home from a show and went to work the next day. And my boss at the time at Bella said, we're taking orders for your pattern. You know, that cute little quilt that won at the show. And I said, oh, no, there's no pattern for that. I just do that. And she says, yes, but there are 18 orders on the counter. I said, well, yeah, but I don't write patterns. And she said, and now you do. And I said, oh, okay. And now I do. (laughs) Uh, She was a great person that you don't generally say no to. You say, yes, ma'am. And then you do that. And so I said, yes, ma'am, and learned to write patterns. That was how that all happened. Not entirely by accident, but with some organic elements. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, how neat. Well, I also saw that you offer classes in applique, color, hand quilting, and decorative stitches. And you mentioned that you really like applique. Yes. You have several videos on that. Tell me a little bit about your applique process. I like to applique by hand as much as possible. I do a few things in the machine from time to time with some fusible. And in those cases, I love to get all the decorative stitches going because there's so much more than just a buttonhole. And I think we should use them all when we can. But I mostly prefer to sit down with a prepared edge applique piece in my hand and stitch it out with my thimble and my needle. And I'm really a 
starch and freezer paper person. When I was getting started in applique, I was all traditional needle turn. And I went and took a class from the great David Taylor, who I still think is one of my absolute heroes. His freezer paper and starch method was just so freeing. I felt like I could see all the edges of things in advance, and that way positioning pieces would be so much more comfortable. And I would know if something needed aligning in advance. All of that just felt like if I was going to travel and I was going to applique at the same time, taking all the prepared pieces with me would be so much easier in the long run. So I cut my pieces out from freezer paper with the reverse image and turned them over with starch and a trolley needle and a hot iron. And when the pieces are prepared, then I can position them on the block exactly the way I would like for them to be. And then I'm going to stitch them out by hand. I really like to use a John James Golden Glide needle and a comfortable thimble. And I'm a sucker for Superior Threads Masterpiece Collection for getting a really nice embedding thread. So that's generally how I'm operating there. You're neat. Well, I know you Thank have you. some great videos on that, and I am looking forward to digging into that a little bit more. Yeah, we do describe most of our process in the videos, and then we also teach some great applique classes. And we're doing some of those online now, which I'm very happy about. And we're just getting ready to move our free motion classes online, which should be fun. Yeah. Neat. How did you feel when you first saw a pattern you had designed made by somebody else? Oh, my goodness. Elated. So excited that someone else would want to make something that I had created. And when I go up to Oregon in the summertime, I always try to time it so that I can be there for the sisters quilt show. It's so much fun to put a couple of my quilts in and see what people think about them while you're walking around the town and seeing thousands of other quilts that people have made. It's exciting. It's really extra exciting when you walk around the corner and see one of your quilt designs, but you know you didn't make it. In part because seeing what somebody else has done with the design is really interesting to me. What sparked them? What made them go different directions? To me, I always think of patterns as really great guidelines. And then how you change the pattern really is going to make the pattern about you and how you felt when you were making the project. So when I walk around the corner in Sisters and I see my school's out fish on a blue Bargello, and I didn't design that. I designed the fish, but I didn't design the Bargello. And so I'll walk up and read the description and find out that this Bargello has been sitting in their closet for two years until... They found this fish pattern and that just made them enjoy the quilt to put the fish on it and make it about the ocean. That's so exciting to me that that's what they saw when they bought my pattern. Yeah. I don't ever get tired of seeing what other people do with my patterns. I'll have your information on the website, but could you tell people where to find you? Yes, absolutely. We Lived out in Vail, Arizona for the longest time, uh, which is outside of Tucson. And I'm really excited to say that we got to move into Tucson 
this last fall in 2019. And we would have had our grand opening of the classroom were, were it not 2020. <laughs> you know, it has been such an interesting year. But what that has allowed me to do is be more prepared. So when we do open the studio here on Stone Avenue in Tucson, we'll be offering people a lot more than I could have offered them had we opened on schedule in May with our classroom space and opportunities here at the studio. But we also are online, and right now that's where we're doing all of our business. And we're on swanamity.com. So you don't have to spell out Swan Amity Studios. You can just do the first fun part. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, Swan. This was great. Well, it has been a pleasure talking to you, Paula. Thank you for having me. And I just enjoy your podcast so much. You're doing some fabulous interviews. Thank you. I appreciate that so much. Me too. It's a little extra something fun to listen to while I cook dinner sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. I love visiting with quilters and I had a great visit. Well, thank you. All righty. Well, you have a wonderful evening, Paula. You too. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. so glad you joined me for this episode of A Quilter's Life. You can find more stories on aquilterslife.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a review as it helps others to find the show? Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website or a Quilter's Life Facebook group to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening.